My experience as a preacher, especially since I have been retired, is that I have been in many, many churches of different backgrounds and of different music. I was delighted this morning that we didn't have any 7-Eleven songs where we sang seven words 11 times. <laughs> I am of the old school and I appreciate good music and good organist and pianist in the service. It means everything to the worship experience. What do you think of when you think of your most remembered Christmas? Think back in your time to the Christmas that meant the most to you. I tried to do that in my mind and travel back to the time that on Christmas I received a bicycle. I had wanted a bicycle for two or three years before I finally got one. And would you believe that the Christmas that that bicycle came, I was sick. And I remember they pushed the bicycle into my room and I ruined the battery on the horn and the light, just laying there in the bed and turning them on and off. What a tremendous thing that was for me. But what really makes Christmas? Is it the size of the tree? By the way, this is a beautiful one. If you hadn't already seen this setup, you need to come look at that. Is that what Christmas is all about? Is it the number of gifts you have or you get? Is it the surprise in the event itself? Is it the food, the lavish food, which always accompanies the event? Is it the return of members of the family who maybe been away or had an opportunity to come back? What really makes Christmas? Advent is an attempt on the part of the more liturgical churches to take you step by step into an awareness of the event itself, which culminates, of course, at the Sunday before Christmas itself. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you put all of this together, what is the central theme of Christmas? Here it is. Mary had a baby. That's the heart of it. That's the essence of it. That's the difference it makes. That's the symbol of what God was doing that no other one in history has ever done. When I think of that, I'm, I'm reminded that that little baby boy changed the world. You can't even spell Christmas without using the Messianic name, Christos, Christ. It's part of the spelling of the event. You can't sing the great hymns of hymnody without mentioning Christmas because so much of hymnody, hymnody is written about that event. You can't even put an address on a letter without recognizing Anno Domini in the year of Christ. This took place. His birth 
is literally the hinge of history. Everything that's happened since then is recorded as it relates to the birth of this baby. And when you think about it, Matthew and Luke are the only gospel writers that tell the story. Matthew and Luke. Mark says nothing about it. His is the staccato gospel. Bang, 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 bang. Every effect that it had in the life of Christ. And John is the theological interpretation of the event itself. He talks about it, as I'll show you in a moment. But he takes you all the way back to the beginning of time. Luke, Dr. Luke, the historian, says it happened when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And the background of it was a taxation on the part of the people. And everybody had to go to the town of their birth to register in order to pay tax. It was 80 miles from Nazareth to Jerusalem. You didn't take a car. You were lucky if you took a burrow. Most of the time you walked. And here was a man pregnant with child, his wife was, to take 80 miles to go to register to be taxed. Now, the birthing room for this child was not in the inn. There was no room in the inn. That's interesting in and of itself. Where then was the child born? In a manger, probably behind the inn. Maybe even in a cave. Wherever it was, there was a place for the child to be laid. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Something happened that night that was very, very unique. These shepherds were probably temple shepherds. That is, they kept the sacrificial flock that were used in the sacrifice of the temple itself. They heard about the message of the birth. They heard it from the angels singing from heaven. Glory to God in the highest Peace on earth to all men of goodwill. That was the song. And they came and knelt where the child lay. And they departed rejoicing from that event. Later, not at the same time, but later these wise men came from the east. They had followed the star, the scripture says, and they brought gifts fit for a king. Never forget, this child was born to be king. Just as every king comes from a family, through the birth line. And where did the background go? To God himself. Never before in human history had this taken place. Now, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is worshipped by Roman Catholic faith and Eastern Orthodox faith. We do not worship Mary, 
but perhaps she's been unappreciated or unfathomed in our worship experience. Think of this young girl in the small village of Nazareth, great with child and not yet married. But she willingly did what the angel of God spoke to her about. And Joseph, the fine man that was to take him, take her as his wife, heard the angel say, fear not, for this thing is of God himself. This is a miracle. This is something the world has never, ever seen. It was at that moment she brought forth that little boy. I can't help but remember in my study that the Roman Catholic Church deified her in 1884 with the doctrine of immaculate conception. In my lifetime, in 1955, the Roman Catholic dogma included the idea that she, like Jesus, was resurrected into the heaven. As I said, we don't go along with those things, but maybe we've not paid as much attention to Mary as we should. What faith, what goodness, what graciousness, what godliness, what innocence, what profound commitment was found in this young maiden by the name of Mary. Have you ever wondered how much Mary really understood? Have you ever thought about that? You should have sung in days gone by, Mary, did you know? Think about it. I read those words again. Did you know your boy would one day be able to walk on water? That your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you knew that the child you delivered would soon deliver you, Mary? Did you know? Did you know that your baby boy would give sight to the blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy had walked where angels trod? And when you kissed your little baby boy, that you kissed the face of God? Mary, did you know? Did you know the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak the praises of the Lamb. Did you know that this baby boy was Lord of all creation? Did you know that your little baby boy would one day rule the nation? Did you know that your baby boy was heaven's perfect lamb and the sleeping child you're holding in your arms? is the great I am, Mary. Did you know? 
One of the greatest plays ever to play on Broadway was called Green Acres, Green Pastures. And it gives us a clue to what all of this was meaning. For they have a scene where God is looking over the parapets of heaven down on earth. And Gabriel is standing there beside him. And all the sin and degradation of mankind was plain in his sight. And Gabriel picks up the trumpet and warms it up on his lips. And he said, Lord, should I blow? God didn't answer. And then he said, Lord, maybe we should send another prophet like Isaiah or Jeremiah. Lord, maybe we should send the great emancipator like Moses or the great warrior like David. What do you think, Lord? And without even saying a word, in a play on Broadway, God said, no, Gabriel, this time I'm going myself. That's what Christmas is. That's what that little baby boy was all about. God decided to take on himself the full and undiluted message of salvation for all mankind. That was involved in the birth of this boy. Now, think about this. This baby, Paul saw as the great redeemer. Here's what he wrote in 2 Corinthians. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses upon them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Jesus made that clear forever to Philip when he told them he was going away and Philip said, how can we follow you? We don't know where you're going. Here's what Jesus said. Have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Somehow we've never fully grasped that God himself was in Jesus Christ. Now that was prophetically announced 400 years before that baby was born. Listen to Isaiah. The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. What is Emmanuel? God with us. That's the translation. God himself with us. In Isaiah 9, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father. 400 years before this child was born. So God coming to the Jewish people should have been no surprise. 
They were God-breathed themselves. For centuries, God had been making himself available to them, giving them leadership, blessing them with miraculous things, taking them out of captivity, and giving them their own land. Why didn't they recognize it? It was a problem about expectation. They were expecting the wrong thing. They wanted a ruler on the white horse, leading them out of captivity, giving them back the days of glory under David. They weren't looking for a baby of all places from someplace like Nazareth. That wasn't in their expectation. Listen, then or now. They expected the wrong thing. God was living among them. They did not accept him. He was fully man. He was fully God. He was all that they could believe about the promised Messiah. Now, in the Bible, this is theologically made known. You might have never thought about that. What did John do? John was a theologian. Sometimes we forget that these people who wrote were intelligent, very intelligent. So John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. He came unto his own, John wrote, and his own received him not. But to those who believed, gave he the power to become the sons of God even to those that believe on his name who were born not of the will of man nor of the will of flesh, but of God himself. Don't you see? John took you all the way back to creation and showed you the story just as plain as he could reveal it. But you know, Paul further clarified it. I memorized it years ago. But in the newer translation, it is even more clear. Over in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, you read it later on today, there is the story of Christ's exaltation. And in the King James it says, Let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not wrong to dismiss that. Here's what the new translation says. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing 
taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at one time in the future, every knee should bow. Things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth is written here. And every person confess that Jesus Christ is God's son to the glory of God the Father. Did you know that? Have you thought about that? That one day those people who refuse to acknowledge him will bow the knee and confess with their mouth that this baby boy was none other than the Son of God. Mary had a baby. That's what even Jesus said. If the words in red are really God's words, and I think they are, in the third chapter of the book of John, Jesus himself said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one-of-a-kind son, that whosoever believeth in him should never perish, but have everlasting life. I love the stories of these Christmas pageants. And one of the most memorable ones for me had to do with one of our first grandchild up in the city of Birmingham. They had the Christmas pageant from one of the great churches there. And my little grandson was baby Jesus. I was sitting in the balcony with my wife. And all of a sudden, Ashton started moving his hands and his feet. And a little child right in front of me said, look, mommy, he's alive. How true this God was alive in that little boy. Paul Harvey made famous in my day the rest of the story. You want to hear the rest of the story? That was left to a man by the name of Handel who put the story into music. King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. 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 And he shall reign forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. That song that is sung almost every Christmas, and rightly so, should remind us that this baby 
is none other than God himself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Let's pray. Father, how I pray that those of us who are the recipients of such love should never take that love for granted, but should share it with a world that desperately needs it where we are and to the ends of the earth. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. We're going to stand a moment and sing a hymn of invitation. And as I always did, I'm reminded that I never know the makeup of a congregation. There could be someone here who's never heard that story, never believed that story, never taken a step of faith and confessed with their mouth the Lord Jesus. And that's what the Bible says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. We're going to stand and sing. And if you need to make that profession of faith, I want you to slip out from where you are and come down here to the front and make that known. Let's stand together.